Okay, we'll do roll call. Roman Porter. Here. Bill Cam. Here. Cyril Shaw. He did email and say he was going to be a little bit late. Uh, Steve Hansen. Here. Bill Motmans. Here. Bernard Bowler. Here. Sandra Fry Lucas. Here. Steve Mabiglio. Here. Lynn Holm. Here. Miranda Perry. Here. Phil Pluckenbaum. Here. Maya Wallace. Here. Michelle Rubelkava. Here. And Nadia Leal Correo. And then, of course, our chair, Julius Cherry. I'm here. For those of you in the audience or and those of us who are here on the dais, if you have a BlackBerry, as do I, please make sure you put it to silent or vibrate or something so that um, I just remember to do mine so I won't be the first one embarrassed to have it go off in the middle of the, middle of the meeting. <laughs> okay. Good. May I also announce that this is being streamed? Oh, Yes. Yeah, Just please. for the public's record, these meetings are video streamed and are available as an archive uh, video any time after the fact. So if you're not able to see it in person, you can always watch it on the video stream. We have speaker slips in the back. For anyone in the audience that wishes to speak, please complete one and turn it into the front here to the assistant city clerk. Thank you. Um, there was a little bit of a discussion last week about um, items not on the agenda, whether or not we would have people just come up at the end, whether we have people come at the beginning. There was some sentiment from the body here that we wanted to give the public ample opportunity to speak to us on items not on the agenda. Uh, my fine vice chair uh, next to me and I met with staff, and what we are recommending we do with as long as that is um, um, okay with the body is that we will ask um, now if there are members who want to speak to us on items that are not on the agenda. We will also ask again at the end of the meeting. However, if during the meeting someone has to, wants to fill out a slip and give it to our staff person, those slips would be given to me. I certainly would not interrupt the flow in order to have somebody speak to us on an item not on the agenda. However, when we finished a major portion of an item before we went on to the next item, I would ask the will of the body whether or not we would be willing to hear that person at that time or whether we should have them simply wait to the end. We'll obviously let circumstances dictate if the meeting is going to be over in five minutes, they might as well wait to the end. However, if it's a pressing circumstance for that citizen who has a dying desire to, for us to hear from them and there's going to be a while, the body could take that up um, as long as it's the will of the body. And that, that's the suggestion. If that's okay with everybody, that's what I plan to do. I think that's all my comments. Okay. And with that, I believe our first item of business is a staff presentation. Correct. It's the weekly report out of the redistricting activities. Uh, good evening. Scott Mendy with staff. Uh, I'd like to highlight uh, three areas for you um, that have been going on of recent. Firstly is the media coverage. Uh, there were, uh, in the last week, about at least five different uh, media articles uh, the first was, uh, and, and by the way, we're going to post all of these on our redistricting website, um, although I want to note that we don't affirm the accuracy of the uh, articles nor express a view regarding the opinions expressed in those articles. Uh, so there was an article last Tuesday on um, Sacramento opens the redistricting to citizens via free online application. Last Saturday, there was an article on the El Dorado County five map proposals. 
Today there was an article on the Sacramento County five map proposals. There was a multi-page article in the May 2011 Inside the City publication, and that was uh, titled uh, Divvying Up the Pie, Why Local Redistricting Matters to Our Neighborhoods. And there was an article also in the Observer News. Um, we uh, did post online following this meeting last week um, on the Council Rules of Procedures and the um, open, open and Public uh, Guide to the Ralph Brown Act. And then by email to this group, we provided a publication that explains the parliament, a parliamentary procedure in general, noting that that is not a uh, replacement to the Roberts Rules of Orders, but a simplified explanation of parliamentary procedure and meeting protocol. And by way of community outreach, uh, last Wednesday, the 27th, at the Roberts Family Center, we held a computer training session. Uh, last Saturday at Fremont Park at the Sacramento Mobile Foods Festival, where there were 10,000 attendees, we handed out uh, flyers, not presumably to all 10,000 people. Uh, on May 18th at 7 p.m., there will be a redistricting presentation to the Robla Park Community Association. And on May 21st, at the, the Celebrate Sacramento Festival at Discovery Park, uh, hosted by Assemblymember Roger Dickinson's staff, will also be there to provide handouts. And that concludes my, my opening remarks. Um, no action required. And um, our next item. Mr. Chair, I have a one question. Yeah. Um, for in the Inside the City article, there was a notation that there was no Latino representation on this commission. I think perhaps the chairman or one of our members might point out to the publisher editor who wrote that article that is not the case. Well, that clearly is not the case. <laughs> thank, thank you for that suggestion. Okay, our next item is uh, the second item on the agenda, the redistricting software demonstration and map submittal process. McGonigal, and uh, it's my pleasure to be here tonight again to present to you. I'm going to be giving you a brief background and overview on the software tools that are available to the community to help in the redistricting process. My presentation will be followed by a detailed demonstration given by Carlos Porras um, of city staff for the re um, redistricting website as well as the software tools um, that have been developed to help facilitate the process. So all right. Just as a very brief background so that we're all on the same page, um, every 10 years following the U.S. Census, the City of Sacramento is required to redraw the district boundaries to balance the population among the eight council districts. This process of balancing population is referred to as redistricting. In January of this year, the council approved a participatory process that included community outreach, education, and the development of tools and data to engage the community in redistricting. And tonight our presentation is going to focus on the tools that have been developed. Um, as indicated in the city's charter, the city has six months to complete the process of redistricting, and the 2010 census data needed for redistricting was released in March 8th. This timeline I'm not going to go over again. We presented this last week. The uh, video of last week's uh, presentations are available to the public if they would like to 
review some details on the timeline, and Scott is also going to follow up with the presentation on discussion of timelines. But um, basically, we have till September 7th to complete the process. And um, the, according to the U.S. Census, uh, the total population for the city of Sacramento is uh, 466,488. The target population that we're aiming for in the redistricting process for each of the eight council districts is 58,311. As anticipated, there's a wide variance in the population <clears throat> between the existing council district boundaries and the target population. District 1 having the largest population and District 4 having the smallest. It's primarily due to the unprecedented growth that the city's seen in the North Natomas area over the past 10 years. Given the large variance in population, there will need to be substantive changes to existing council district boundaries. To assist the community in this challenging process, the city has developed free to the public online tools and resources to create, share, and submit district plans to the city. The graphic arrow at the bottom of the slide before you represents a high-level uh, steps one would need to go through to create a district proposal and submit it to the city. The red box around the arrow at the bottom of the slide represents the step that I'm illustrating, and it'll change as I move through the slides. Um, this is the login or create account screen, and we currently have just over 300 users um, who have created accounts in the system right now. And the accounts are pretty easy to create, and uh, logging in is easy. When you log into the system, this is the first screen that you see. The um, user will see is a help or a learn screen. The screen provides an overview of the process, context-specific help, and links to training videos and relevant websites, as well as contact information. And that if any time through the process the user needs help, this is basically where they can find it. This is a screenshot from the application. The user, um, once they've gone through and read the help and the process, criteria, etc., the user will then move to the Create tab, which is uh, where users spend most of their time developing plans. City of um, Sacramento will be displayed in the map extent with the 2010 census block level data delivered in the count current council district boundaries. A district statistics table that's circled in red and labeled with the number one on your display contains the total population, the target population, variance from that target population, a race and ethnicity demographics for each of the council districts. And the user chooses from the select tools and map navigation tools to zoom into areas of the map and select populations and move them to different districts and sees the results in those tables. Once the user has created a draft uh, or final plan and saved it, they can begin the review process, which includes the ability for users to generate graphs, charts, reports, and to create notes and draw graphics on the plan. The report tools are intended to assist the user in understanding the demographic distribution of the plan that they have created. The markup tools are intended to assist the user in collaboration and in describing the geographic extent of communities of interest. Once the user has saved a plan, it can be shared with groups and individuals. For example, I can easily create a group and uh, share the plan with a collaborator. Once I've created a group, I can invite that participant to join. 
and they'll receive an invite to join the group and see the plans that I've shared with them. For those individuals or groups that I've shared with, they can see the plans that I create. At any time prior to submission, I can invite additional participants to collaborate on a plan that I'm developing. Once users completed a plan and saved it, they may then uh, submit the final plan to the city. Users can provide relevant information regarding collaborators, plan objectives, descriptive information. The submission process will then lock the plan and formally submit the plan to the city for consideration by the Citizens Advisory Committee and the Council. Individuals will receive an email confirmation of their submission. Um, you'll see in your staff report a sample of the information that will be reported out on all submissions to the committee and the public. The submitted plans will also be uh, made available in the software tool for review. And with that, I'll just uh, point out that we have a, uh, the city's website, redistricting website, which has uh, information on how to get to this uh, software tool, as well as maps, uh, background information, some of the data that um, Scott just mentioned earlier, and uh, Carlos is going to go over that in just a moment. Staff have had several classes out in the community. Um, we've trained of over 100 users in um, hands-on use of the tools. There are additional training classes um, that can be scheduled as needed. Um, there are online tutorials available and classes uh, information on, on the website. And with that, I'm going to turn it over to Carlos so he can actually show you the software itself. Good evening. Um, my name is Carlos Torres. Go ahead. Yes. Okay. Um, I have a question regarding that last step with the, uh, the collaboration. Yes. Is that is there any way to distinguish between um, folks that collaborated with the map and those that in the end actually endorse the map? If it's not stated in the submission, then uh, no. It would, not be it would not be provided in the submitted um, plan. So if, uh, if for example, uh, Carlos and Scott and I were working on a plan together and I submitted that plan for us on our behalf, but I only mentioned that I work with Carlos, even though um, Scott had input into the process by share sharing it, it's not. Um, it wouldn't be included in the in the report. Oh, so you would act. Okay, I'm actually thinking of the opposite situation. Okay. If, if Bill, for example, invited me to collaborate with him on his map, and we worked together, but in the end there was a big sticking point, and I didn't want to endorse the map that he was submitting. I wanted to endorse something or, or create my own or go with someone else. Then would I be listed as a collaborator since he invited me on the software to participate? Only if he only if he, he would actively it, have actually to have list to it on it that and list it in the collaborator um, input box. Okay, thank you. Yes, Bernard. You mentioned that there were 300 users have signed up. Is that on par with what we had in the past? Are we ahead of schedule? Are we behind? What's your what's your estimate? Well, um, last time we did this, uh, the, the tool was actually on a disc, and we distributed discs, and I think we distributed about somewhere between 150 and 200 total. Um, some of those were just, I, I don't know that people used every one of those, so it's, it's hard to say, but um, somewhere in the same ballpark. Okay. Yes, um, Member Hall. Um, I got comments back from one of our members, and they thought it was a very engaging tool. Uh, one of the questions that actually come back was asking how 
was the software funded? Did it come out of the general fund? And how, you know, how are we paying for the usage and licenses, et cetera? Yeah. The, um, when the council approved the process for redistricting, there were funds associated with that. I think it was 160000 that was associated with the redistricting process overall. Currently, we've uh, invested about $51,000 in the software development and delivery of the tool on the um, Internet. I'm sorry, did I miss someone? I'm sorry, Member Hansen. Uh, if uh, we have a deadline coming up, uh, potentially May 16th, maybe later, um, which I know is agendized, but if we want to alert the users who've registered already about that deadline, is that capability built into the software to notify them? About we, do the have, we do have the ability to notify people who have provided us with valid email addresses for their users. Okay, thank you. Mm -hmm. Okay, seeing no further questions at this time from members, go right ahead. Okay. Uh, once again, I'm Carlos Forrest, a Geographical Information Systems Specialist, GIS Specialist. Um, and as Maria noted, uh, you can access the application through the redistricting webpage, and I'll show you how to get there through the uh, City of Sacramento homepage since most people are familiar with this website. So. The uh, link to the redistricting webpage is actually in the news section on the city's homepage, so I'm going to click on there. And just a little bit of information about the redistricting website. We have additional information just about redistricting process, um, additional resources and maps and data, so you can use this information to assist you in creating your redistricting plans. For instance, if you click on maps and data, we've provided a number of maps, historical maps also, with um, all the way back to 1971 council district maps that we've rec recreated. And we have some population figures also. And on the resources link, just additional publications to help users in educating them in the redistricting process at a statewide level and at the local level. So it's a good way to get used to or get familiar with the uh, redistricting process. So to get to the actual application, you can get there by going to saccityredistricting.org directly, or you can come to the redistricting page and click on this big Create a Redistricting Plan link, which I'm going to do now. As Maria said, this is a free online tool. It is multi-platform, so you can use it on a PC or a Mac. So all you need is an Internet browser. So in order to use the application, you need a username and password. If you don't have one of those, there's an actual create an account button underneath the login button that you can click on and enter the required information. It helps to have a valid email address so we can confirm that you submitted a plan if you do submit a plan. And your username and password is important, so you might want to write that down and save it because you'll need that from here on. So for this demonstration, I already created a user login, so I'll I'll get now. Oh, that didn't work. So that happens when you type too fast. <clears throat> okay. So hopefully you can all see this on your screen pretty good. So, um, as Maria mentioned, this is the default page when you log in, you fall on, and it's the learn page where you have additional information about some other criteria that you need to use when you're creating a redistricting plan. You also have links that will take you back to the redistricting homepage. 
and links to very detailed help pages that will pretty much describe all of the uh, tab functionality in detail. And of course, the links to the YouTube videos. And I'll try to highlight these with my mouse so people watching on TV can see this. Okay. So in order to create a plan, you go to the Create tab. And when you go to the Create tab, you see the district statistics table that Maria mentioned that has your total population by district. And it also has population by uh, race and ethnicity variables. You can uh, modify this table by clicking on the demographics button up on the top left. And what this does is it pretty much collapses the table. You can uh, turn them on and off, so it helps to create a little bit more screen space because unfortunately we all don't have huge projectors like this at home and small monitors. So this is just, again, all it does is, is control the, uh, the demographic data that you see in your district statistics table. So another way to make some screen space is to... Carlos? Yes. Can I interrupt you and have you speak up just a little bit? Oh, I'm sorry. Let me set these closer. Thank you. Is that better? Oh, a lot better. I can hear myself. <laughs> okay, so um, another way to, uh, to move, to get some screen space is to actually minimize it, minimize the district statistics table and move it out of the way, or simply turn it off. And for demonstration purposes, I'm going to turn it off and show you some other tips that will allow you to uh, see some of your results when you're creating your plans. Next to the uh, statistics buttons are the uh, selection tools. So this is where you'll select your your districts that you'll be assigning census blocks to, your map navigation tools, and your labeling tools. So let me just get right in and zoom in and show you some of the tips that I was talking about. So with the map navigation tools, as you can see, I selected a, a zoom in button, which is the magnifying glass with the plus symbol right there. And what I'm going to do right now just to set up my workspace is to shorten the district names and show the totals. So as you can see, the labels now have totals on them. And these totals will change dynamically whenever I select a census block and assign it to a new district. So it's a good way to kind of gauge where you're at with balancing the population. One thing I did forget to mention, and let me go back and turn on the district statistics, is you need to know what your target population is. So on the bottom of the district statistics table, you have a target mean of 58,311. So that's the target you're going for, for population. Keep that in mind when you're looking at your labels. So in order to create a plan and to move some of these census blocks into districts, you need to actually select your district. So from this active district drop-down box, I'm going to select a district, which is District 2, just for demonstration purposes since I'm right here. I'm going to zoom in. And I'm just going to choose a selection tool. There's a, there's a few of them to choose from. This one will allow me to actually drag a rectangle over a number of census blocks and assign them to the district that I have active, which is District 2. So I use my little hand, and I can move my map around, grab my selection tool, select the census blocks. And as you can see, they changed from blue to yellow. And the populations that were associated with those census blocks were moved over to District 2. 
probably didn't see a big difference because there's probably not very many people living in this area. One thing I forgot to note, though, is you'll see that the dark brown lines are the neighborhood boundaries, and the neighborhood names are also in there, too. They pop up when you zoom in. You don't see them right away when you open up your map. So those are good for references. And just grab a few more blocks to kind of show you a few more other things. So I'm simply just navigating around the map, choosing from different selection tools, and assigning, right now I'm assigning everything to District 2 since that's my active district. So after you've gone around and you've made a few selections and changed your boundaries around, you want to make sure that you save your work. So we've made that possible by adding some buttons up on the top left where you can quickly save, or you can save them from the File tab. So I'm just going to save what I've done so far for demonstration purposes. Call this my test. Give it a name. You can give it a brief description. If it's a certain objective that you're going for with this plan, you can definitely put this here. And this information will be saved with the map. And when it's submitted, we'll be able to see that information and print it out for, for submittal to the, to the committee. Okay, so after I've saved and assigned some blocks and moved around some districts, uh, I want to review some of, the, uh, some of the results via table or charts. I can go to the Review tab and see, um, basically visualize some of the uh, population uh, distribution within my plan as it's drawn. So with the plan distribution chart, I can actually see what my total population distribution is per district as it's drawn right now. You can also do this right when you start with the default plan just to see how everything is today with the 2010 census information. So you have a number of charts that you can choose. You have a few reports that you can actually run to help you uh, analyze your population information. And there's a very important check integrity test. And what this does is it actually tests to see if, if uh, your, uh, your districts are uh, connected or contiguous. So if you didn't see it right away, there's an area right here that's not contiguous. And when I run this check, it should find that. It should fail. If I click on Details and select, it'll zoom to the area that is not contiguous. This is useful because a lot of times there are really, really small uh, census blocks that don't always get assigned with the, uh, when you're going through and reassigning your census block. So it'll help you troubleshoot and make sure everything is... Uh, it's good to go. So obviously, I don't want this to be part of District 2. I just want to fix that so I can choose my active district back to District 1, select it, and correct that mistake. Good, Mary? Can I just mention that um, for those users um, who have been using the software tool up to this point, that that function for um, you know zooming into the area that is not connected is new. So if uh, there's anybody out there in the audience who says, well, I never saw that before, <laughs> then uh, we just added that last week. So. Okay, so um, another option on the review tab is the markup tools. Uh, this allows you to draw or uh, annotate your map. Um, like Maria mentioned, as, as for example, this would be a good tool to use to identify a community of interest. So you wanted to uh, identify an area. You can just zoom in, choose a draw polygon, and just 
click to draw your boundary. You double click on that and it creates your boundary. Choose your draw text tool. Click anywhere. When you right click on the text, it gives you the option to edit the text. And from here, you can, you can annotate what this boundary is. If it's your community of interest and whatnot. Or this is also just, these are just good tools too. If you're, when you're sharing with, uh, your partners and you want to highlight an area, say you don't know this area of the city or what does this person think about this area and, and these blocks, it's a good way to annotate and direct those users to your concerns. So once you've uh, made some changes to the blocks and you've uh, did your checks and ran some reports and you're, you're about ready to, to start sharing and collaborating, you can do that by choosing the uh, Share tab. And from here, this is uh, where you'll add additional information about your plan before you share it. Say you wanted to give a brief description of why you're sharing it and what you want your uh, collaborators to look at when they're reviewing your plan. You can do that by clicking on the plan information box and add, a diff add additional information about your plan and save it. And then this is where you'll actually manage your, uh, your groups that you'll be sharing with. So you can kind of think, think of these as uh, virtual conference rooms. You're creating these rooms and you're inviting members to, uh, to come into the room and, and share uh, your work with. Click on uh, Manage Groups. Oh, and by the way, you can't share until you save, so you want to make sure you've, you've saved your work. It won't allow you to even create a group, I believe, unless you save. So once you click on Manage Groups, as you can see, there's no groups here, so it's as simple as clicking the Create Group button and adding a group name and a description. This can be anything from your leadership group name or your neighborhood association name. Once you, collect, once you uh, create a group, you can see there's additional options that I can use to manage my groups. I can delete groups, edit the name of the groups, and manage my users. This is where I'll actually invite people to join my group. And one thing to note is you can only invite people who have created an account on the application. So if you want somebody to join and you have their email address, send them an email and point them to the uh, redistricting page and have them create a logon account. And it helps if they use their, their real name or you know their uh, fake name or username. That helps too. So basically you can just start by typing in a few, name, a few letters of the name or if you know the full name you can, uh, you can do that too. So I'll go ahead and search for Maria and invite her to my test group. And so I just typed up MAR and there's a lot of people with MAR in their name. So here's Maria. I'm going to send her an invitation. So next time that she logs into the application, she'll see in the top right-hand corner that there's an invite pending, and then she'll be able to come in and um, accept my invitation and be part of my group. If you decide it was a mistake and you don't want to invite them, you can simply cancel the invitation. You can even delete them after they accept if, you, if it was too late. So it's good to know. So I've created my group, I've saved my plan, but I haven't shared anything yet. So after I've done all that, and you know, you don't have to create a group, you can just be invited and the work was already done for you. So once you're part of a group, save the plan, then you can share. So click on the share. And two important things to note here. You can share your plan with everybody, meaning anybody who has an account on the system can actually see your plan, or you can just strictly restrict it to members of a certain group. So you want to be careful or if you don't want to be careful, you can send it to everybody. It's up to you. You have that option. So you're basically saying here, I'm going to select 
members of my group to share this plan with, update it. Now Maria will have access to my test plan. And how do you open these plans? Uh, by simply going to the open dialog box over on the top right, the little button, or the file tab. When you open it, oh, there we go. Okay, the open plan list will show you what your recent plans are that you've worked on, your own plans that you've created. And now you'll have a shared plans folder with everybody who's, uh, who's shared with everyone and on that first checkbox that I showed you and just your tests. So I can open up this uh, plan now. It's the sharing features. And the last feature is the submit tab. And there's only one button on here. And it's simply when, you've, when you're ready to go after you've collaborated and shared with everybody and you guys are ready to submit as a group or individually, you go ahead and uh, go to tab number five, which is submit. Click on the submit plan. And as Maria's uh, presentation noted, this is where you'll add members who you collaborated with. And this is, this is basically how you, how you will know who you collaborated with. No other information comes across this uh, system other than what you put in here. You can change a name. It defaults with your username, but you can change that name. It also defaults with the plan that you saved as, but you can change that also. And, that we're, and we're asking users to, to provide an explanation of plan objectives to kind of give us an idea of, of, of what they were looking at when they created the plan. And you can submit it or you can't. So once you click submit, it'll tell you for sure to submit. You know, some people want to submit thinking that they're saving, but you want to make sure that you know that you're actually submitting it. After you submit your plan, the plan will be locked, so you won't be able to edit it or delete it, and it'll be submitted to staff. But you can save as another file name and, and modify that on your own if you wish. And with that, do we want to speak about the submitted plan process after we get the submit plans? Yeah? Okay. Um, sure. Okay, so obviously this is, this is all online, it's all web-based, and we're going to get online submittals. So what, we're, what staff is doing once we get these plans is we're going to provide a packet to the committee that uh, contains a number of, uh, of products from the application. One will be, let me see if I can zoom out real quick, an image of the uh, plan. So you'll see what the actual boundaries look like in, in your packet, just kind of a, a, a quick view of what the person is submitting. We're also going to be providing a population summary report, and that will basically provide all the, uh, what you see on your district statistics table, essentially. So you'll see, sorry, it's a little bit slow. You'll see the population by district along with the population information by race and ethnicity per, per, per district. So you'll see that. You'll see your deviation counts and, and percents. And we'll also be submitting the, when, when a person submits, like I was showing you earlier, and they, they enter all their information, it comes in a text format. So we'll also be printing that out and giving that to you. So it's basically a three-page packet that you guys will be receiving for all of the submitted plans. We'll also be exporting a, a GIS shapefile format. So if we ever need to go back and recreate the plan in a GIS format or a zoomed-in format, we can do that. And we'll also have the actual plan file to review on the, uh, in the system on the application. And that concludes the 
demonstration, and I'm available for questions. Member Rubakava. Thank you for your presentation. Um, I have a quick question for you. You were showing us the submittal button and everything. Is it possible that some of the already submitted plans are plans that weren't meant to be submitted, that were accidental, accidentally submitted? And if so, how do we distinguish between what someone meant to submit and someone who was just working with the tool and accidentally pressed the button? Yes, it is possible and it has happened. Um, and what we've done. Oh, sorry. Okay. It is possible and it has happened, and, and what I've done is uh, – what we've done is uh, sent them an email uh, stating that you have submitted a plan and to and I didn't note that it, it looks like it might have been a mistake to please <laughs> delete or contact us to you know to discuss so to date I haven't received any uh, any responses and there was only three three uh, accidental submittals from what I can tell so you sent three emails thinking uh, it might be an error but you haven't heard back whether or not it is an error right so I would suspect um, that if we don't hear back from them, then we will we'll bring them forward anyways. But they do, um, you know, in, in the cases that we have seen um, where it's probably an accidental submittal, it's pretty obvious. Like just three or four blocks removed, it's basically the same, you know, as, a, you know, the default plan. So there's a few, and we'll, um, I think... At the time, uh, once we receive all the plans, we'll try to organize them in some way that would um, be helpful for you to Correct. process them more easily. Thank you. Member Porter. <coughs> Excuse me, Member Porter. Thank you, Mr. Chair. Just to that particular point, um, <clears throat> if individuals accidentally submit and, and whether it's something that you can readily determine or whether it's something that is a little bit more difficult to determine, what's the process at that point? Are you allowing individuals to remove from consideration that particular map, or what's the process? Um, at this point, if we the emails that we sent out, if we were to receive a response that, yes, it was an error, then we would remove it from the system. Thank you. Yes, go ahead. Um, I, you, I noticed you have that integrity check um, right. button, and I, I think that mostly checks for contiguity. So can people submit um, – I guess I have two questions. So okay. can people submit um, maps that aren't contiguous or the districts aren't connected that violate that criteria? Yes. Okay. Yes. And then second, um, you had that annotation box, and you were talking about a community of interest. Um, and it's my understanding of GIS, there's lots of layers that you could add to the tool that would give you more information about what a community of interest might be, like in terms of um, population density or SES level or socioeconomic status. Um, is there a way that we can import those files in while we're trying to analyze people's maps? Or is there another way that staff could provide us with that information? Are you asking about after we've sub yeah, received after all the we've submitted plans? Yeah, we've received everybody's maps. Uh, or is there a way for um, the public to have access to that information? There, there currently isn't a way for users to import any data into the application. Um, they're more than welcome to to have additional maps with you know to, when creating their plan. But um, I'm not sure if afterwards we won't be we will be able to do it within this application. But we will be able to use GIS if we need any you know. 
any additional information to, to help with your or is there um, analysis? Uh, for us, for our purposes, right. could you provide us with um, like census block data to use while we're looking at the maps? We can provide you with whatever uh, census data is available. There's uh, the PL data, which is the public law data for redistricting, which only provides race, population, and housing units. Any other information would be uh, estimate data okay. from 2000 or American Community Survey. But you can give that could. to us? Yes. Okay. Thank you. You're welcome. Member Hanson, you have a question? Sorry. I have two questions. One is kind of a self-interested question. How do we recover our username if we don't remember it? <laughs> Everybody has that question. And, and second, um, when a group would submit a plan, uh, is it the person that hits the submit button who created the account that then is responsible for that plan, or does it reflect the group, or is there a way that that would be shown, that it was a group plan? The when the plan is submitted, it comes from that user's account, and uh, the only way we know that it was a collaboration or a group is um, from the dialog box where you actually manually enter the, the group names. And username? The username, well, that's a tricky one. <laughs> Let me go to the... Uh, I think probably um, you could contact mm -hmm. Carlos or myself, <laughs> and uh, yeah, we, could, um, yeah. we could try to um, you know help you look up what you might be missing. Um, I think other than, other than you know, directly contacting us, probably not going to be able to find it. But our contact information is on the website, so if users out in the community also have that same problem, you know, we're, we're happy to respond um, to any questions like that and try to help you find um, any missing information as we can. Right. Member Bill Kemp. I... This may be a Matt question, um, although it's raised in the way we think about the districts. So when we think about the dilution, dilution of minority representation, is the standard that we use to look at the, the proportions in 2000? So when we're thinking about are you diluting a district, or do you do, what's what, diluting it in terms of what its current composition is or to what its composition was in 2000? And when the, the 2000 reapportionment, we need, we, we can go back and get the data and say this is the minority representation in, uh, population in each of these districts in 2000. So when we're looking at whether or not we violate the rule, um, what, 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 what set of data do we look at? Well, that's an in intricate question and I'm not sure I'm going to be able to give you a 100% satisfactory answer this evening. However, there's two potential ways to look at that problem. One is the longitudinal survey of the 2000 versus the 2010 timelines. But typically dilution would means that there is a set population. Let's say we have a population of a minority group, and her, here is its current population, pick a number, 50,000. And the 50,000 is located, say, within one district currently. That is under the 2010 numbers, Okay. And so let's say that's a minority opportunity district. Well, actually, with 50,000, that would be a majority minority district. But if you were to take that current number and come up with, uh, and currently that group has the ability, let's say they're politically cohesive, to elect a representative of its choice, 
and you drew a district to, uh, let's say, cut that group in half, or let's actually, let's not use the half scenario. Let's use a different scenario. Let's use a 20-30 split so that a 20 goes into a new district such that that now, that 20 group is now minority within that, uh, minority population-wise with percentage-wise within that new district, you've diluted that group of 50,000 under the current numbers. That would be the more prototypical way of looking at the minority dilution issue. Although there have been um, cases in which uh, groups will say that the dilution occurs over time because uh, that's another way of looking at it. We have previously had the opportunity to elect someone of our, of our choosing as a politically cohesive group, and the current district may dilute that vote by splitting us up into different groups compared to where we used to be in, in 2000, for 2000, for example. Now, if you heard what I was saying there, really it's two sides of the same coin. You can look at it both on a time frame and on a current number frame looking at whether or not you're splitting up a group to dilute their current or future ability to vote. But I think that's a more intricate question. We can get into that a little later when we get into the Voting Rights Act issue. That's just a generalized answer. At some point, I would like to ask the question we don't want to talk about tonight. So if I, in order to not violate that portion of the law, I've got to create a weird-looking district uh, of those who we don't take out. So now I've got a, a district. Uh, I, I protect the standard with regards to dilution. But then that portion outside of that has a, an in, uh, a non-contiguous perception or it's not compact or it, it, it runs into some of these other standards. How do we make a, a good judgment call about managing that side of the problem? I'm going to keep my fingers crossed that in Sacramento we uh, won't have that issue because of the relative um, integration and diversity of the communities within the city of Sacramento and the numbers that have played out in the census data. I'm, I'm keeping my fingers crossed that we won't have that issue. But as, as we get uh, further along in this process, I think you'll see that um, I may, your questions might be getting a little ahead of where the numbers and the maps are going to come out, and it's a good question. But uh, the issue becomes, are there actions taken to dilute uh, minority uh, voting block, and there are there is a uh, a way of determining whether or not that's a possibility. But it assumes some factors we haven't really yet discussed specifically whether or not there is a sufficiently cohesive voting block of the group, and they've been historically disenfranchised, and the white block voting group has historically voted in such a way as to keep the minority group from having political power. And so I think as the maps come along, we will need to take a look at the numbers and the individual numbers and assess later whether or not that's even, even we're even in the ballpark. So I think I just, I mean, respectfully, I think we, you might get, be getting a little ahead of that issue until we talk either about the Voting Rights Act or actually see the maps and the statistics as they, as they play out. But I think that it's, it needs to be on a map-by-map -map basis because, remember, the issue is when we draw the lines, we just have to be ensuring that we don't violate the Voting Rights Act. You can't take at the front end the consideration of race in making your decision. So that's just that that's, needs to be clear. Thank you. Member Hanson. Yeah, I... Matt, I guess I just had a clarifying question at the end there. We can be conscious of where the 
racial um, ethnic groups that are protected by the Voting Rights Act are concentrated so as to not violate their rights by diluting their vote um, in violation of the Voting Rights Act. But we can't um, do it in such a way that that's the predominant factor in how we draw the lines, right? Well, thank you for clarifying my statement. That would be that, That's right. We, it, what I meant to say is you cannot use race as the predominant factor. So we can't take a look at the map and say we need to ensure that we are lumping one race together or separating one race. That would be problematic. What you do is after the, after the lines are drawn, we, we need to make sure whatever map you're looking at hasn't had the intent or effect of resulting in a disenfranchisement or potential disenfranchisement or a vote dilution of a minority group. So that, that needs to be done as the maps are considered, um, I think, individually or as a group or as themes as to whether or not that has the, was the intent or the effect of that particular map that, that's under your consideration. Commissioner Maviglio, excuse me, Member Maviglio. Thanks. This, this might be a redistricting 101 question, but I'm just curious. The, the initial software has the, our current districts, and I'm concerned that people using this for the first time think they have to add and subtract to current districts, but aren't we, isn't this all open? Why are they already mapped out so people have to adjust what's currently there as opposed to going to the program and creating districts? It's a subtle difference, but if you've never done this before, I think it's kind of important to think of it that way. That's a good question. Maria? I'll take that one, I guess. Um, that was, um, it was really our call, um, staff's call to um, do that as uh, one. We had done that in the past. Also, it sort of helped to ensure that um, no blocks were left unassigned, so they're already assigned. And then as you're going through the process, you would just be shifting blocks from different districts, from their existing districts to their um, new district assignment. And uh, there is no um, technical reason for that not being, uh, you know, being done another way. That was uh, staff's call as to um, putting it in the existing districts so that people could see the distribution issue. I mean, in, in some cases, and in the past year, um, when we go through the redistricting process, there's not a substantive um, change in the population, and so minor adjustments are made in the district boundaries as, um, you know, some of the continuity of the existing district boundaries is one of the criteria that you um, can consider in the process. Okay. Is there any kind of notation that instructs, I haven't used this yet, even though it looks pretty cool. Uh, is there any kind of notation that instructs people that these, you know, explains these are current districts but not necessarily the future ones and, and goes through that process, or do you have to figure that pretty much on your own by just looking at the numbers? I think that the, it's implied, but it's probably not explicit enough, and it certainly easily um, added to the the descriptive information. If you okay, thank you. Chair, Member Hanson. Uh, I guess to that point, and maybe we'll talk about it later. Is one of the the charter has the criteria which we should consider, and I know the staff and the primer last week talked about incumbency. Um, and I don't know if, Steve, your question was about whether or not the pre-existing districts somehow, um, by using them as the baseline, then drive um, some uh, principle 
that maybe we haven't decided to consider or maybe we haven't been charged to consider by the council or by the charter. So uh, I guess that's a question for you as to like what beyond maybe political incumbency you see is, is that what I'm hearing? Like you feel like there's some, you don't have to answer, I'm just curious. Go go right ahead. That's not what I got out of your question, but go right ahead. No, it's more of a, just from a map creation perspective. And if you're, you know, it was described in that Inside the City article as dividing up a pie. And it looks like this one was pre-sliced if you haven't used this before. So I want to make sure any user looks at this, doesn't have any preconceived notion of, oh, if I just do this and this here, rather than looking at the whole pie and saying, well, I want a fat piece here and, and it has to meet these criteria. That, that was my concern. Commissioner Plekbaum. Uh, Mr. Maviglio, do I understand you're suggesting that the staff remove the existing district so when you log on, the first thing you see is a blank map, not a pre-populated map? Is that, is that the suggestion? That was my question. I'm not suggesting that. I mean, if they made the call and the commission agrees this is helpful to a user, that's the bottom line for me. I would agree that it would, it, would, it would seriously change my orientation to how I participate in the map creating yeah. process because what I've done so far in playing around with it is to modify existing boundaries and I haven't at all considered starting fresh with a, with a blank map and trying to create eight districts. Um, I don't know if that would be harder or easier, um, but it, it would certainly be a different exercise. Yeah, let me um, just state that, that I think at this point in the game it would be very difficult to do that, We can't, um, to, if not impossible. Uh, on the time frame that we're working on to change the structure of the way the application works in that regard. But certainly um, we could provide clarification in the process, uh, in, you know, text, it, that it isn't necessarily so that you use the existing boundaries to, but you certainly within the context of the way that the software works now, you could draw boundaries in any um, configuration that you chose. So you know, District 8 could be in the upper, you know, right, left-hand corner of the of the city. I mean, it's possible. But I do want to say that one of the criteria that is listed in the city's charter, and maybe Matt can speak to this uh, more explicitly, but is the community of interests of the districts. So there is some, um, and there's also some case law, again, on um, using some sort of continuity of the existing boundaries as one of the criteria as you're changing district boundaries. So... Would it be possible without rewriting the software to have the opening map that is seen um, have, you know, one person per district essentially be minimized down to a point so that it would be as blank as possible? So the, the you know what I'm saying? Yeah. No. Okay. I tried. <laughs> Member Porter. Thank you, Chair. Um, to... Uh, Steve Hansen's question relative to incumbency, in my day job, that is one thing that we're very concerned with, is not creating rules that advantage someone just because of the fact of their incumbency. And while I recognize that it was, um, for whatever reason, specifically put in the elements of consideration that were not disallowed from considering incumbency, <clears throat> it does seem that having even the district um, numbers associated with those districts. So if, if, for example, we're unable to put that blank slate up for people to um, manipulate, it may be an issue where removing just the district numbers kind of helps to address that issue of incumbency or of um, 
a preordained determination of what a district is going to be or, or look like? Just a comment. Yeah, I, I still, um, based on that, I, I don't think that we would be able to do that in the context of the structure of the software at this point, to, to be able to modify any substantive. It, well, one, we have many users who have been going down this road, developing their plans in the existing software, so we don't want to change it substantively for them. The um, So we need some continuity for those users who have already started the process. Um, so backing out, even changing, you know, taking out the numbers. And I think um, <clears throat> the uh, it doesn't uh, necessarily, um, I think, uh, predispose people towards incumbency. Incumbency, you know, the actual location of the individuals um, who represent those districts are not identified. But I think that there is some criteria again, Matt, you want to speak to this about, you know, change, you know, so making lots of different changes so that, uh, you know, um, one individual um, has, uh, whether the incumbent stays in that district or not, uh, community members may um, want to have con continuity in the district that they are in, right? So, and it doesn't have anything to do with the incumbent per se. I see no further lights from committee members. Okay, thank you. That item is done. Someone, did I miss someone? Okay. That takes care of item two. Okay, we're now to the discussion calendar. Item number three is the approval of the last meeting, our first meeting, April 25, committee minutes. You'll notice they were included in the packet. We do a summary action minutes with the understanding. Okay, move approval. Second. Commissioner, um, Member Hansen and Member Camp, I move it. Second. All in favor, please signify by saying aye. Aye. Any opposed? Our next item is item number four, review of the committee's schedule. Chair Cherry, Chair Cherry and members of the committee, uh, this is item four, which really deals with the question of the schedule for uh, the final deadline for submittal of, of the maps. Uh, we had some introductory discussion on this last week and agendized that for today. Um, the current schedule calls for May 16th as a scheduled uh, deadline for map submittal. And at issue is whether to extend that deadline uh, for public submittal of the redistricting map proposals. I should note that uh, we have done extensive community outreach to date based on that May 16th date. Also want to note that um, the current schedule provides the public exactly six weeks to prepare and submit the maps. That was from the date that the software tool became available until the submittal date is six weeks. And during the 2001 submittal process, uh, that was also a six-week period in which to submit maps. So in general, uh, staff supports that it is an excellent idea in general to provide as much time as possible for the public. It does create some dilemmas on the back end. And that is that includes less time for staff and the committee to deliberate and synthesize, less time for the public to provide input on the maps that are submitted. We would provide less detail and depth of analysis and 
to be honest. It does create a bit of a staff crunch to try to get the word out that, hey, everything's changed. Uh, so in summary, we recommend that you leave the deadlines as was originally proposed uh, with May 16th. However, always the accommodator, um, if the majority <laughs> of this committee feel very strongly that the public should be given additional time to prepare the maps, then we have created an alternate schedule uh, that would require that the committee uh, attend um, extra meetings, uh, require that staff slave over the weekends and so on. I'm not biasing my comments, am I? Uh, anyway, so we do have that alternate um, listed in your attachment A should you want to go that direction. Thank you. Discussion? I'm satisfied with the schedule as we've got it. Uh, I do think the chair can call extra meetings. I think that's the chair's discretion. So if there needs to be some additional consideration on the part of the committee, we certainly have tools to do that. I like the idea of saying to people, this is what the rules are. Um, with 300 people signed up, I don't feel like it's a, a lack of public interest. I think we can continue to promote it, encourage everybody we know to get serious about this, to participate, to be engaged. In some sense, that's our assignment, or the city's. Um, but I, I, I'm a little hesitant about changing the rules when we have the tools to, to reach out to the public to encourage their participation and to schedule additional work on our behalf. So I, I think I'm, I'm comfortable with what we've got. I'll start to my far left, Commissioner Plickenbaum. Uh, did you, was there further discussion, or I was prepared to make a motion unless uh, you'd like to? I just wanted to mention a couple. Go ahead. Okay. Commissioner Porter. Thank you, Chair. Um, so I guess the question with that, and, and I respect uh, what Mr. Camp says, but the question with that is um, if we were then to say, fine, stick with the current schedule because individuals have been notified of that, what um, additional efforts can the city undertake to make sure that we get the word out on that? And as I heard earlier, we have about $160,000, $170,000 allocated to this project. About $52,000 has been utilized for it. So, um, you know, what, what types of efforts can be undertaken to get people within the next two weeks, essentially, is what we're talking about. They have two more weeks to submit maps. So I'm going to bring up Vincene Jones from our Neighborhood Services uh, who can talk about the, some of the outreach efforts that we can still do in the next uh, week or two. Thank you. Good evening, everyone. How are you? Uh, we've been doing extensive outreach, and we continue in the Neighborhood Services Department to weekly, daily send out stuff. Uh, I just wanted to tell you that uh, this weekend um, I worked about – it feels like three days over the weekend. Uh, neighborhood services physically took out 3,200 flyers to all of the events that we had. You, you heard about the 14,000 uh, attendee event. I was there. Uh, we went to Sutter, uh, groundbreaking. Uh, we were there. And we also uh, uh, up at the 10,000 um, 
mobile food vendor. So we take things out. We get it through the neighborhood services contact list, which is 4,200 people. Uh, we are continuously out at the community association meetings. We have notified, and I could read an extensive list of every chamber, every business association, every neighborhood association. Um, we have uh, lots of things to go. We have some special meetings going out, so we carry this everywhere we go, um, and it is up on our website. Uh, we continuously promote. I think that one of the things that you may be looking for is an audience today. I think when you, as you get into it, because if you're, if everyone is kind of looking and following the schedule, this is an education process for you, and that's not really what I think the community is grabbing at right now. I think as you really get into the maps, I think you will see that uh, you have a lot of participation, a lot of audiences. And so, as I said, we'll continue to get it out there to every event in the city that we're at. I think this coming weekend, um, I'm heavy duty, so um, out there my staff goes out just about to everything as we plan everything, and we will be taking every piece of paper that uh, we can and put it in as many hands as we possibly can. So I, I think we've done some outreach, but I think uh, what the issue is at this particular point is that um, – and you know when things, the iron starts to get hot, you, you, get more, you get more participation, and I think that's what's going to happen with you. Um, if you have something that you would like to remind me of that's going on, although I was going to be there uh, anyway, uh, thank you for reminding me, but we were out um, to the mobile food uh, um, participating with that effort, and it's, we're out there. So um, you find that if you look in the council meeting, I just want to tell you that as much as we promote the council meeting, it depends on the issue and where they are at the time of the issue as to how you feel the chamber. And I think, I think uh, you're going to have more than you uh, bargain for when you get into the maps. Member Rukava. Uh, perhaps it might, you suggested, be helpful for us to see the list that you have um, already contacted. Perhaps the groups that we are thinking of have already been contacted, and then that way. It could be. I've, I've, I've done. I have, I have it right here, but I can't give you my handwritten list. I kind of jotted everything down, but uh, I have uh, really a diverse list that I've gone after. Um, and actually, we're trying to get it in some newspapers. I have it in three particular uh, uh, in the uh, Asian community. Uh, Derek went down to, um, I think it's A&A -N -A or A&F, I'm sorry, and picked up a couple of newspapers, and we have it there. So we've, we're, we're doing a lot of extensive outreach for you. I've also bought some flyers for you to take with you, so as you're moving on your way, that uh, you can drop them off. Uh, Starbucks does let me put them out in certain locations, and I, I do have them there. They're in the libraries. They're in the community centers. Uh, they're in a lot of grocery stores, everywhere that someone gives neighborhood services an opportunity uh, to lay our information down, we have it there. Any other questions? Um, Vincent, thank mm -hmm. you very much for that. And sure. uh, thank you for all your hard work. I know everything that you've done uh, along the lines with District 1, been out there with you as well, so I appreciate that. Mm -hmm. um, one of the things, though, I, I think the biggest concern at this point, at least my concern, is not necessarily the number of individuals that have shown up or failed to show up at the meeting itself, but in um, ensuring that everybody possible is able to have as much time to, to fill out the mats for our consideration. And so one of the, the um, questions that I have is beyond 
the efforts that you've done and, and your group has done? Are there other things that the city can do? Um, things like making this a priority within the media efforts of the city, looking at any other types of efforts that can be done, uh, whether it's it's merely a matter of staff time or a decision of the council to expend or the city manager to expend those resources in that in that manner. Um, does it, we, we'll, we'll send out a press release this week. We've sent out a few press releases already um, out throughout the process just to let people know of the status. And I think we've had um, in the B probably at least four articles um, in SAC Press. We've probably had more. Um, we've had a lot of publicity at different levels, but if you have any ideas, um, bring them forward, okay. and, and uh, we'll certainly see what we can and, do. And so as I understand it from Mr. Mendy, the, the issue is um, that there is an ability to have at least six more days, maybe six and a half more days, of notice to the public, and, and I'm respectful for the comments that were made tonight as well as comments um, last meeting about having already provided individuals with a particular set deadline, and that's the internal deadline that you're working off of. But I, I think it's really important for us as a body to recognize that we truly are doing this to try and get the support of the public and information from the public. And whether that means that at the end of those six days, no one group or one person has submitted a map or you have three more maps, I, I think it's an important effort to, to move forward on that point. Thank you. Commissioner Pleckerbaum. Uh, as staff now well knows, I'm exceedingly interested in seeing uh, public uh, reached out to as much as possible. I just wanted to thank Ms. Jones and Ms. McGonagall and uh, Mr. Mende on how much you've done already and anticipated so many of our suggestions and, and got to the food truck event uh, and so many other uh, great um, opportunities. Um, so without asking for too much, if, if, if it's possible, um, I think I heard uh, uh, committee member Porter ask for just a list of what's planned, or uh, I'm sorry, sorry, uh, give credit where credit's due. And um, so just, and if there is a marketing plan or if there is a, um, a budget, because we understand there are constraints and we don't, we don't want to ask the city to expend staff resources where, where there's not uh, allocated funds, um, but just so that we can understand sort of what the scope of opportunities are and then, of course, all the committee members, we will be uh, working as much as we can to um, access our network of, of uh, friends and, and family and uh, neighbors and community uh, members to, to let everyone else know, we know know that this is going on in an important process. So thank you for providing the flyers and other resources for us to help. Okay. And I'll also get you a list as you, as you ask for, and I'll make sure that um, I get it. Uh, and we'll get it to everyone so you can see where we're going. Now, just to remind you, um, um, the special events uh, department is part of, of one of the departments or a division that I, I manage. We're out um, seven days a week. Um, it is, is kind of hard for me to tell you everything that we're actually doing and when we're going to do it because people come up, uh, such as this uh, big basketball hoop thing we're getting ready to do. The mayor is also getting ready to have his office hours, which are May the 19th, and so we will be there um, putting information out as well. So there's a lot of things that we see and, you know, that we, we take care of and that, uh, you know, we'll t I can tell you weekly, if you like a weekly report, I'd be glad to do that. It's very hard for me sometimes to do it just prior to. Oh, sure. Okay. If there's no other, no, all that's committed. Uh, member, member Hanson. 
Good evening, uh, Ms. Jones. Yes. Your staff have done a great job doing outreach. I think my only concern, and it's the same one I expressed last week, is that, well, I think people know that we've created the committee, that redistricting is underway. That May 16th deadline I don't think is very well publicized. I saw the flyers. I think, you know, it's great for people to know. I have a flyer here, and it doesn't mention that deadline. There's only one place on the city website that does mention that deadline. And um, the alternative schedule... I think does, to me, sound like it will allow for extra participation, extra time to let people know if they want to create a map through this tool that the city spent a lot of money creating, um, that we as a committee could meet that week of Memorial Day to allow them in to do that. I mean, I'm here, and I expected to be here weekly, and you know, if, if others don't want to do that, then I'll concede to the will of the body. But I think that at the end of the day, that extra week does make a difference, and the deadline of May 16th is just two weeks away. And um, you mentioned the mayor's office hours on May 19th. Mm -hmm. um, with a May 16th deadline, it's too late to promote turning in maps and using this fabulous city tool on May 19th. But if it was May 22nd, as the alternative schedule talks about, that would allow the mayor's office hours to, again, promote that, and we would err on the side of over-participation, over-inclusion, rather than under. I'd like to take some flyers with me tonight. I have them for you. I could take 100. Okay. Um, and can you send me an email version? We have about 1,600 people on our email list, and so we can certainly get that out to them. And I'm delighted that you reached out to the chamber. Um, All chambers. Well, I know, but I don't represent the chamber. No. <laughs> In my day job, I represent the city now. But I would like for us to reach out to the labor movement and think about um, finding a way to connect. Um, and I think in some cases it can come from me, but it also brings validity if it comes from you because I, I think you're the champion, the one that really leads this, the strategy. And also there are these newspapers. and Actually, we have a television program that, is produced by one of our locals. So let's chat some and okay. talk about how we sure. use the media in the, within the, among workers uh, to expand our outreach. Because we really want to, I think Member Porter's right. We want to get the community engaged. Some of that has to do with maps. But some of it has to do with really just saying, okay, I'm watching. I understand the process. I can go down and speak to the issue. I feel like this committee is open and interested and are trying to give us paths to participate. So I'm, I'm certainly committed to do my piece of that, but let's, uh, I'm, I'm certainly willing to redouble my efforts this week to push that people say, hey, pay attention here. This is your shot. We want you to be engaged, and if we can, uh, we can expand at least the networks that I know naturally. Okay. Thank, Thank you. you. Member Pluckerman. I think we may have some public here who'd like to speak tonight, so if there's no other discussion, I'd like to move to approve the schedule. So I, I would like to make a substitute motion to approve the alternate schedule. It's been moved and seconded to approve the schedule as originally set by staff. The schedule has been published um, and out for some time. There is a substitute motion for which I have not heard a second to... I'll, I'll second the substitute. Okay. So as I understand it from my training, 
and from last week. We must first vote on the substitute motion. So it's been moved by uh, Member Hansen, seconded by Member Porter, to modify the schedule to the to add the one meeting and the uh, March 22nd deadline for, excuse me, is it the 22nd? Yes, deadline for submitting maps. Um, can we get a roll call vote? Certainly. As our clerk always says. That's right. <laughs> Bowler? It's on the yes, substitute on motion. The alternative schedule. No. Camp? No. Fry Lucas? No. Hansen? Yes. Hom? Yes. Leal Carrillo? Yes. Maviglio? Yes. Motmans? No. Perry? Yes. Pluckabum? No. Porter? Yes. Rubacaba? No. Shaw? No. Wallace? Yes. And Chair Cherry? No. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven. Let go. Fails. Motion fails. Okay, the substitute motion has failed to get a majority. So we can now um, have a motion, I mean, have called the question on the original motion to adopt the original schedule. This was an 8 to 7 vote that failed. Okay, so we're on the original staff recommendation. We'll do it again. Bowler? Y yes. Hang on a second. Um, no, we, we took the vote. And it failed. No. I think the discussion period is done yeah. for for the substitute motion. Are we now on the original motion? Now on the original motion. And is there a discussion period on the original motion? It's been moved and no. seconded. Okay, so then yeah. vote. Okay. It's time to vote. Okay. Start again. Bowler? Yes. Camp? Yes. Fry Lucas? Yes. Hansen? No. Hom? No. Leo Carrillo? Yes. Maviglio? Yes. Motmans? Yes. Perry? Yes. Pluckabum? Yes. Porter? Yes. Rubacaba? Yes. Shaw? Aye. Wallace? Yes. And Chair Cherry? Chair votes aye. Motion passes with two no votes. Okay. Okay. That's our schedule. Mr. Chair? Is it, is it uh, too late to make a comment on the schedule? No, it's not. I, I, I just wanted to explain I only voted no on the substitute motion only because I'm not prepared to extend the, the, the deadline yet. If, as we approach the deadline, if we're feeling significant pressure from the public that, that they need more time, I'm happy to extend our, our, our deadline at that point, but not, not, not yet. Thank you. Comment duly noted. Okay. My apologies to staff. Okay, we're now to our next um, session or section, which is the public comment. I have no one signed up to speak at this time. So now we're to committee ideas, questions, and announcements. Uh, Mr. Chair, I'm going to not be able to attend next Monday. I'll be with a cap-to-cap -cap trip. So I apologize for my absence, but this was something that was scheduled and paid for before the appointment. Thank you for that. And there, there are a number of people here who have 
attended cap to cap that I'm aware of, and myself included, I will not be going this year. Is there any other member on the committee that will not be here next week? Okay. Thank you. Thank you. And we're down to adjournment. Member Hansen. Uh, under the ideas category, I know that we um, have certain principles that are put forward by the Charter and some by state law. And I think uh, one of the things that's instructive is the state constitution for the state redistricting body prioritizes the priorities that the state considers. Um, first is equal population, then the Voting Rights Act and communities of interest in a prioritized list. And I think as we begin our analysis of the maps in a few weeks, it would be good for us to agendize at some point a discussion about the priorities that we will take into consideration as we look at those maps, whether um, things that the Charter doesn't explicitly include or exclude should be on that list. So as we get into the discussion of the maps, we apply a set of prioritized priorities to help us understand um, uh, what metrics we, we believe are important for the maps, you know. They could be similar to what the state constitution says. They could be different. I just think it's a helpful discussion so we all work from the same um, set of rules. Thank you, Commissioner Hanson. Other members? The only, the only comment the chair, Member Pleckebaum. I'm sorry, Member Cyril. Thanks, uh, Chair. Um, I. I look at, as you're making that comment, I was looking at Matt because I don't know if that's a, a legal issue. I think that we're governed by the charter um, and the criteria. I, I think, if I recall correctly, they're intentionally not ranked and intentionally not uh, prioritized. Um, and if we were to create, if our body were to create um, priorities, um, I don't know that we could. I mean, we, I guess we could for ourselves, but I don't know that we could for the city. These are going to be the priorities of those of those criteria. Um, and although we live in the state of California and the city of Sacramento is in the state of California, I'm, I'm not sure that we could use apply the, the the same priorities for assembly and senate districts as we could for city council districts. Just like we couldn't use if. The county had priorities. Use those same same criteria. As this is just the idea, comment, and suggestion period, uh, let's not get into any further discussion of this particular subject. Except I will answer you very briefly. No, they are not ranked in the charter. We are not bound by uh, Prop 20 or Prop 11 for their criteria ranking. So we can certainly discuss whether or not prioritization of any particular criteria is appropriate when we get to those criteria as we talk about them. Do I, do I hear other speakers? <laughs> Member Porter. Mr. Chair, sorry, just a, a real quick issue. Um, when we were going through the overview of the great ability to put together the maps and invite other users to collaborate on those maps, it occurred to me that um, if we as members started to do that and share too many of those, would that be a Brown Act violation? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. Thank, thank you very much. Okay. The, the only comment the chair would like to make is I would like everyone to remember that it's 724 because as we move into this, 
and the meetings are going over. Let's not forget that the chair, along with the clerk and the magnificent staff, got you out of here about 35 minutes early. <laughs> with, that, I'll, with that, I'll entertain a motion to adjourn. Second. We, we are, I assume, no objections. Without objection, as they say, we are adjourned. Thank you.